All right, let's do this together. Um, um, Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. For you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who were with me. In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know about you, but one of my love languages is actually gifts. If you've ever done that little five love languages test, if you've ever done that test before, my main love language is gifts. Not it doesn't have to be something expensive, but I like to, it's nice when my wife um, thinks about me and picks something up small. It could be something that's $3, but if it's thoughtful, it's one of the ways that I receive love. Anybody, one of their love languages is gifts. Now, being that we, hey, I, I might have just unlocked something for a couple of you spouses. You didn't realize that, and I just, that's free marriage advice tonight. So, those of us that actually, it's part of our love language, even we get more excited about giving than we do receiving. I don't know about you, but when I have a gift to give to my wife, I want to give it to her even if I've got it two weeks in advance. Anybody have that problem? And then she, it's like, I want to accidentally leave the receipt around. I just want a reason. And she's like, no, wait, just wait. Anybody have that problem? Just wait, wait for my birthday or wait for Christmas or wait for anniversary. I'm like, yeah, but it's just sitting up there and you could use it. And, you know, it's like I get so excited about giving. And I don't know about you, but when you give something to somebody, especially when it's something they really needed or didn't expect, and you see that face of gratefulness light up, there's something that we are designed to respond to that. We're designed as human beings to respond inside to have that kind of joy when we experience the opportunity to give. The reason that's there is because God designed us to be generous people. He designed us to live a lifestyle of generosity. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 8. We're just going to go through a couple of scriptures here. I want to point a couple things out to you. For if Readiness is there. It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. The generosity that we're called to isn't intended to be a burden, guys. It's not, we're not supposed to be burdened down by generosity. We're not supposed to be burdened down by this idea. There's a difference between being burdened and giving sacrificially. I've seen some folks get talked into giving their, you know, the whatever money they were going to pay their mortgage tomorrow, and then when that money doesn't miraculously show up in 24 hours. They're like, you lied to me, God. Well, did he ask you to give your mortgage payment? Probably not. Probably not. I think that'd probably 
be a pretty rare, uh, rare request from God. Right? God doesn't actually, this is not the, the scripture that the televangelists read when they're trying to get you to sow the $177.77. Trust me. But this is, God, God actually designed this a lifestyle of generosity to make sense. He designed it in a way that we would respond to it. He designed it in a way that it would bless us. He designed it in a way that we would function in it, sustainably function in a lifestyle of generosity. One guy um, that spoke here uh, on, on this one time, he said, I have a certain amount of money that's, that's like, I know that if I give it away, that it means something to me. Because $10 might not mean anything to you, but it might mean something to the person next to you. That could be a lot of money. So for him, it was a $100 bill. And he took a $100 bill, and he tucked it into his wallet somewhere. And he leaves it there. And now for you, it might be a $10. It might be $5. And he waits for the Lord to prompt him to give that. Now, that's totally different than what he gives to the church every week. It's totally different from his tithe or offering or what he gives to missions or whatever else you give to. It's totally different. It's, it's something that he has reserved, and he reserves it for, it could be a special time during church. It could be a colleague. It could be somebody that they just feel uh, like God is tugging on your heart to do something to help that person. And so he leaves it there. Well, the truth of the matter is he encounters people in need every day. But not every day does God say, hey, I want you to take that $100 bill and give it. He waits for the Lord to prompt him. This is totally different than what you commit to your church every week. This is, this is where you have set aside something that you know when you give it away, it has means something to you. And, and th- that's another way that you can live a lifestyle of generosity, something practical. I have money that, where's my wife at? She may or may not know about, that I have tucked away somewhere. And I do that with that. I do that. I, I, sometimes I give it in church. Sometimes I, God, God just speaks to me about somebody. And I just take the, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, it was just somebody in a store that I just felt like the Lord said, I want you to bless them. And they started crying and freaking out. And it wasn't that much money, but it was enough money to mean something to me. And so this is part of the lifestyle God wants us to live. What it does is it actually begins to create an environment where you think outside of yourself. And anytime God can get you to think outside of your needs and your wants, then you're beginning to enter in into the land of trust. And when you enter into the land of trust where you're trusting in him and not what you have or what you're making, and you begin to trust God, you unlock the promise of God over that, 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 that character trait or that thing that God's trying to build inside of you. You know, there's a specific covenant that God has struck with you and I that has to do with giving. Do you understand that? It's, covenant is, a, is another word for contract. There's actually a contract that God has with you and I that when we live a lifestyle of generosity, that there's, there's a contract that we fulfill and there's another side of the bargain that God, there's a part of the contract that God says, I will fulfill when you enter into this contract or this covenant with me. It's pretty neat. Anytime God has to hold up his end of the bargain with a covenant deal, that's a good place to be in. Are you with me? All right, let's, let's uh, read this next scripture here for a moment. This is another one of the scriptures you're never going to hear read 
on the television screen with a number blinking at the bottom. <laughs> the point is this, in 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Yeah, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear that part. This is 2 Corinthians. Don't put Deuteronomy up there. Deuteronomy was Sunday. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. It's your scriptures on our computer. And we click that button. All right. Just trust me. It says it. 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We usually stop there when we're taking an offering up. Right? Each one must give as he has decided in his what? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, unfortunately, I have seen compulsion be the main reason people have given, whether it's to somebody else or to the church or to, or to a loved one. They feel like they're supposed to or they have to. It's not coming from an abundance of their heart. What I actually want to begin to see with our congregation is that our heart, what's happening in our heart is what is compelling us to want to give. In other words, that the generosity is in our heart, and that's why we want to help the world around us. That's why we want to help each other. That's why we want to, to, to pour into the church. That's why we want to help a family member in need. It's because we can't stand not doing something because our heart won't let us. That position versus feeling compelled or, or doing it under compulsion or doing it reluctantly. In other words, you were talked into it. I don't want to talk anybody in to living a lifestyle of generosity. I don't believe it's what God wants from us. I don't believe that you should be coerced into giving. I'm breaking every rule for ministry school right now. You shouldn't be coerced into giving. You should, once you understand the revelation of a God who owns it all, and you believe that in your heart, that he sees everything that you pour out to the world around you, you should, that should affect your heart enough to where you go, oh man, I have to do this. Not because I'm supposed to. Not because I was told to. Not because I committed to. That's another thing that we use. We say, if you'll commit to giving X number for every month and blah, 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 blah. Forget the commitment stuff. That's fine and dandy. But I want us to pour out of the, the, a lifestyle of generosity, pour out of our heart because we feel it here. Are you with me? And this is the thing. If you get this revelation, and the reason I keep saying revelation, I said it on Sunday, I said it today. When you get this revelation, when it's seared into your mind, into your heart, when you understand it, when you see the, the needy world around you as an opportunity to, to sow and to love people and to, to pour your life out to people, when you get that revelation, it will totally set you free totally set you free from the grip of money on our lives, from the grip of things on our life. If you can get that, it'll set you free. 
Those types of people can be given something that they've wanted a long time, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and they might use it a couple times, but then they just give it to somebody else because they realize that God is an unlimited God, and they realize it's almost like a game. It's like, okay, Lord, thank you. That's wonderful. I love it, but I could bless somebody with that. And then before you know it, God just knocks their socks off because they begin to flow in that lifestyle of generosity, and it's only a revelation. See, I'm only telling you this stuff not to convince you. I'm telling you this stuff because I believe that if you'll meditate on what I said on Sunday, what I'm saying tonight, that you can begin to get the revelation for yourself. And when you get the revelation, there's nothing anybody can do to talk you out of it. How many of you have gotten a revelation about anything in the Bible before? Whatever it is, his love, his grace for you, whatever it is, the cross, you got a revelation of something, the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you get that, it's like, you get some bozo in front of you trying to talk you out of that. You're, it's not going to happen. I say, when I said bozo, a couple of you ladies looked at your husbands. I don't appreciate that, okay? We, we need to respect one another. It's going to be Sunday's message. How to deal with that bozo you live with. <laughs> she didn't do it. She didn't. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. And I'm just going to finish with a little quick little story after this scripture, or actually two scriptures here. By this we may know that we are in him. For whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Is that up there on the screen? But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, in order for you to, to, to say that you are living your life according to the example of Christ, it means you actually have to walk the way he walked, right? Does that make sense? You have to abide in who Jesus is and who he is in your life in order to really live this life the way God's intended us to live it. And so we look at 1 John chapter 3, um, and it says this. And this is kind of, you can follow Christ's example with this. By this we know love, that who? He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word or talk, not in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. This is such a powerful scripture that can help you with that revelation in your life, where you realize that if we're going to abide and walk the way Jesus walked, it said that we may know that, that this we know, or by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So that what? We ought to lay down our lives for one another. Laying down your life could be so many things. And I don't limit this, this uh, what we're teaching here. I don't limit this to money. Money is just an easy way to quantify what I'm talking about. But laying down your life for the person next to you, for your brother, for your sister. Helping somebody that's in need. Responding to an opportunity to, to help somebody or to serve somebody. Responding when you know the Lord saying, hey, do something about that. Doing justice to the world around you. When you see somebody who's, where there's great injustice being dealt to them, you standing up for them. 
It looks so many different ways. You know, it could be the grace that you pour out on the world around you. The Bible says that he poured out his grace abundantly and extravagantly on us. It could be the grace you extend to somebody who has burned you time and time again. That's part of living a lifestyle of generosity, where you pour your grace out on the person next to you, the person that's you like, I am done with them. Where you say, you know what, I'm going to just give you grace again. This is part of that lifestyle. And what's amazing is if sometimes if we learn to do it with our pocketbooks, it can actually begin to affect almost every area of our life where we don't hold back grace and we don't hold back mercy and we don't hold back love. The truth of the matter is if we realize that God has all of that to pour back into our lives, we're not worried of running out of that. You ever get around somebody that's like, I have had enough. I just don't have any more patience with that person. Once again, please do not look at one another if you're with somebody. I have run out of patience with that person. What they're saying is, is they're saying, listen, I, I, don't have, I don't have enough grace left. I don't have enough spare grace left to extend to that person. I'm done. When you realize that you can't pour, you can't empty yourself of grace... Because it's abundant in him and because he is in us, it's abundant in us, that it's extravagantly poured out. I'm telling you guys, I don't have any more time tonight. This is a revelation that will rock your world. It'll change the way you do everything. Money is a, maybe a cheap way, an example. There's so many areas of our life it affects when we stop thinking about how is this, what is this going to do to me and do I have enough and can I do this and me and me and me and me. When you start living outside of me, your whole life will change. Do you know I can spot a miserable person from a mile away based on this one concept if all they ever think about is themselves. See, we think about ourselves because we think we're trying to make me happy. And so I got to worry about me. Nobody else is looking out for me. You know how many times I hear that? I was like, yeah, what about the whole, like, Jesus thing? Nobody looks out for me. What about Jehovah Jireh, my provider? If I don't provide for me, who's going to provide? I can't just be doing that and helping people. I need help. This mentality always, always precedes you realizing that person is miserable. Miserable people always are self-centered and think about themselves. And I've had people come to me and say, oh, you know, my friend or my wife or my husband says that I'm self-centered and all I think about is my, myself. How do I stop being self-centered? And you know what I tell them? Give. Give of your life. Give of things that have value to you. Give. Live a lifestyle of generosity. If you will give and you will serve the world around you with what you've got, you will learn to live outside of yourself. Same for my life. And you won't be miserable. If you're miserable tonight, if you can be miserable, you probably will find out that in those greatest times where you just feel miserable, that all you're thinking about is, well, this was done to me, and I don't have this, and I've worked hard, and I have this, and I have that. And you know, those are valid things to say, and it's true. Life beats us up, and life is always trying to knock us down. 
But at the end of the day, we aren't a slave to this world. And we're not a slave to money. It's not our God. We're not a slave to things. We're not a slave to relationships. There's only one that we serve. And he's a good God, and he owns it all. And when you get that revelation, you won't worry about all the things that people have done, said, haven't done. You'll step out of that into a place of freedom that will blow your mind. Do you believe me tonight? I want to read this story, and then I'm going to finish. Wouldn't it be cool if we just got so, we so like embrace this as a church that we just heard testimonies like left and right where people just, I had people come up to me on Sunday, which was awesome. At the end of service, folks came up and, and gave and it was cool because somebody told me a testimony. This might not be a big deal to you because you might be a high roller. But for those of us that aren't a high roller, I want to tell you this was a big deal. Had somebody come up to me on Sunday and they said, I had $21 in my pocket. And they said, and it was all I had and I needed to get some stuff. But I felt like the Lord said, give it, give all of it. So they did. And when they got home, they were cleaning out their pants. And then the little pocket here <laughs> that I happened to put picks in, in my in-ear that fell off, and God knows what, in that little pocket, he felt like a little wad of something and reached into his pocket and pulled it out. And guess how much it was? $21 to the dollar. Now, I guarantee you that person's like, ooh, I cannot wait for the next time that I know the Lord is moving on my heart to do something and to see what in the world he does next. Folks, it's an adventure. It is. I have all this stuff that I want to sell on Craigslist. And every time I try to decide I'm going to sell something, somebody, comes, somebody brings it to my attention. They're like, hey, such and such is looking for such and such. I don't know if you know anyone that has one. <laughs> I swear it's like my fingers on the list, you know, publish. And I was like, no, I don't know anyone that has one. And it's like, boom, the Lord says, give it. It's fun, I'm telling you. Let me read this story, then we're going to quit. Um, there's a gentleman, Charles Fuller, that once announced that he'd be speaking the following Sunday on heaven. During that week, a beautiful letter was received from an old man who was very ill. The following is part of his letter. He said, next t Sunday, you're talking about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I, I've held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it, for it was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I've been sending materials out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be remodeled or repaired because it will suit me perfectly individually and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundations, for they rest on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. It is now almost completed and ready for me to enter in and abide in peace 
eternally without fear of ever being rejected. I hope to hear your sermon on Sunday, next Sunday, from my home in Los Angeles, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. For my ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I'm all ready to go, and I may not be here while you're talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. Man, can you imagine if that was our perspective on what we were doing here on the earth? And realize that we, tomorrow I take a quick 48-hour trip up north, and I'll be back on Saturday. And, you know, like it asks you when you're checking in on your phone, is there any baggage you have with you? There's one day that we're going to leave this earth, and folks... It's like Frontier or Spirit or whoever charges you for everything. They discourage you from taking baggage, if you know what I mean. One of the airlines, if you take a carry-on on and you don't pay for it in advance, they charge you $100. $100. I think it's Spirit. I don't feel much, feel much Spirit in that. $100 for a carry-on, not the checked one, the one you carry. That's a greedy Spirit, Airlines. But how about if we really thought about it this way? I want to finish with a quick little um, video and just let this minister to you. Um, this video is about love. It's a music, it's a song, but it actually is a perfect picture into the way that God gives his heart away. And with his heart comes all that he has. And I want, to sh- I want this to be the way we respond to the world around us. So I want to play this for you. Some of you are going to just be wrecked with this, these lyrics. And then we're going to go home. Is that cool? I know we're a little late tonight, but, you know, we just had to make room for people to get healed and impacted and all that. You know what I mean? The Lord wanted to do that tonight. So we'll finish with this. The lyrics will be on the screen.
finishes up, let's just stand to our feet as we pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us all of you, God. We thank you that you've just poured your life as a generous offering onto humanity. You gave the most precious of gifts in your son. You showed us what it looks like to give to the world around us. You laid your life down for us so that we would lay our life down for others. God, help us get this revelation. As we leave here today, Lord, help us get this revelation that it would flow from our heart, not because we felt like we were supposed to, not because we, we Lord, felt, felt like we had to, not out of commitment, God, but do it because of our affection and our love for you, that we would live a life where giving was an everyday thing our lifestyle of abundance and generosity was the reality that we lived every day of our lives. Lord, thank you for those that are here, Lord. We ask you to give them rest tonight and comfort. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did tonight. We don't take for granted those that were healed and those that were touched, those that you breathe your breath into again. Bless those as they go here tonight. Lord, we're just excited about what you're going to say and do Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen.